Welcome to the Mango Solutions Data-Driven Nirvana podcast series, where we'll be exploring a range of topics for businesses and business leaders around the impact of data science and data engineering, and particularly the impact of data-driven transformation. I'm Dave Harris, and today joining me on the show is our Mango host, Dean Wood, who is the Principal Data Scientist from Mango, uh, along with Deputy Director of Client Services, Chris James. They're going to share their thoughts on the importance of data engineering and why it is such an essential pillar that underpins data-driven transformation. Data engineering underpins the ability of a company to extract value from their data, ensuring access to the right data at the right time and in the right format. In reality, you cannot extract maximum value from your data without a good data engineering function. In this episode, Dean and Chris will consider the essential elements that should be in place to enable a well-performing data science function with the specific focus on data engineering, what that role encompasses, and its importance as part of a data and analytics team's capability. So, Dean, if I could turn to you first, what is data engineering and why is it commonly an overlooked part of the data science workflow? So, it's a really good question because not many people could define it quite as clearly as they would probably like. And to understand it, it's, it's important to understand how the roles changed over the past probably decade. Um, so say 10 years ago, maybe a little bit more than that, a data warehouse was a large static entity that didn't change much, had large data tables. You could think of them like a collection of Excel tables, if, if that makes it easier. And the data didn't change very quickly. The number of sources it had was quite small and uh, everything moved very slowly and there were a handful of few skilled people who managed that data warehouse and then the world changed in 2006 a platform called Hadoop which is has a very silly name we have to get used to this in the world of open source with platforms which have very very silly names it seems to be a requisite required part of it anyway this platform was open source in 2006 and this enabled all kinds of different data to be sorted together and held together. So it no longer was it just a, a large collection of Excel tables. It could be a video, it could be uh, a picture or anything at all, which you, you could gather together on one platform and analyze together. Because of this new, new technology, because of the way that this, this was enabled, the skills needed had to change. So suddenly from being uh, a data warehouse expert, in order to use the technology, you needed to be a software developer. You needed a completely different set of skills. And that meant that a whole new area had to be created. And that was really the first data engineers. So that changed over time as having a, a large cohort of software, of software engineers coming in and take over the data world was, was a problem. So you've got new tools coming in to allow those old data administrators to use the SQL skills they had to, to use these new platforms. And now we're going back to the point where people were more like software developers. So we've recently had uh, new orchestration tools like Databricks and Airflows, which are ways of managing data input and output, requiring people to use software development approaches, particularly with Python leading the language. So we're back to the point where a simple definition of a data engineer would be a data engineer is a software developer who specializes in building reliable systems to collect, transform, store, and provision data for analytics and other complex purposes. So there's, there's another view there, which is, which is the wider project view, which is where Chris comes in with his expertise. 
I was going to say, so um, data engineers have become essential um, in order to deliver data science software products to an organization in order to realize the, the full value and potential within their, their operations. They've moved from uh, producing or the world's moved from producing static reports to always uh, available updated models, being ready at hand for the end user. Um, and that's not possible purely with data science techniques. It actually requires uh, platforms, data, DevOps, which is something we might talk about a little bit later. And data engineers are a crucial pillar in managing that data in order to ensure platforms are fit for purpose. Um, and then when you also consider the efficiencies of delivering data science projects, and there's often discussion around uh data science projects that are very costly, don't deliver on what uh, was perceived to be uh, the original aim, let's say. Now, without data engineering skills in place on a project to ensure that the data is available, then often the data scientists with their skills can actually end up wasting a lot of time trying to get to that, that data in the correct state. And that's where data engineers are, are, are key, really. So as to the second part of the question, which is why, why data engineering is, is often overlooked in favour of the data science, it's really about humans and the way people view things and marketing. It's not quite as easy to tell a good story about data engineering as it is about data science. Data science is exciting. It's this sexy thing that's the, the job to have. Data engineering is, is a technical detailed function it's it's harder to generate an exciting story about it is it's like your house you don't want to talk about your plumbing but let's see you build a new one without it i've always thought a good good comparison can be made with formula one everybody knows who lewis hamilton is he's world champion multiple times however he drives a car and there's a massive team behind the development of that car an engineering team essentially and we don't know anything about them they're like the hidden the hidden valley you could say in that project if you were really to, to focus on the quantifiable value from a data engineering team, what might that be? So again, that's, that's another challenge with data engineering because it's this deep, technical, detailed piece of work. In terms of immediate return on investment, ROI, it's actually really hard to quantify because they're at least two steps removed from the decision point. What I mean by that is they will do a piece of work, they will create a data pipeline, they'll get this data to a data scientist who will then operate on it and they might then step back in and do something on the other side once the day. And then the data scientist will go to the board with their lovely pictures and their very easy to understand graphs and they'll be the person who goes, this is the decision that we need to make. Here are the metrics that are important. Everyone forgets about the data engineer and because it's that far removed from the decision point, it's very hard to map that back to what value do you put on that? It's back to the plumbing again. What value does having good plumbing add to your house? It's quite, it's quite a secondary question rather than a, a primary meaning, a primary thing that's, in your, that's really obvious and in your face. Although you need to remember that with the prevalence of cloud-based platforms, platform as a service these days, then it's quite easy to relate uh, efficiency in processing time to cost where we're, we're doing a cost cost per, I don't know, resource, let's say, on, on things such as Amazon or Google cloud-based platforms. 
but still that that's that's the easy part it's much more difficult to to quantify the say the human uh, efficiencies that come with delivering some of these things but that's also hidden a little bit as well that gets wrapped up in the it cost rather than the cost of a project or the or the, the return on investment for what's happened so it's again it's secondary it's hidden away which makes it really difficult to say why your data engineer is is really important really the real win with data engineering is not to focus too tightly on the return on investment but look on the ability that it gives the rest of your staff to focus on the value add part of any project and take away that overhead of using your data make it much more automated much more faster i don't know if there's a way of quantifying this in terms of project management it's difficult roi has been a discussion that's been around for years and measuring it there are multiple ways of trying to uh demonstrate value in order for people to make the decision to invest but sometimes you never really see it until you're a number of years down the line let's say. So Dean can you really divide the remit of a data scientist function to that of data engineers? We've actually done quite a good job of of trying to do exactly that I think in the previous questions but actually I think it's it's a bit of, of a false direction but it's something that human beings like to do. We like to put things in boxes. If we can put things in a nice category, we know what it is and we know how it works. But in terms of, of data science, data engineering, data projects in general, I think that's a real mistake because actually a lot of these skill sets and a lot of the ways you have to work together with these, these, in these projects means that you have, to work, you have to have crossover. There has to be more of a spectrum of, um, of skills than discrete categories so you'll have data engineers who are more interested in data science than they are really in the IT end and the platform end and you'll have data engineers who actually they really want to be doing more IT and more of the DevOps side of things so you have that whole spectrum and you need them all there because a data engineer sits in the middle and has to speak both to IT uh, with an understanding of platforms and to the DS. We're essentially talking about what some people describe as T-shaped people here. They, they specialise in, in one area, but they can sort of reach out into other sort of areas and skill sets that surround their own function. And this is where our, our data scientists, our data engineers actually cross over, let's say. They're all very clever individuals and data scientists can work with data. But do they want to actually be investing their, their time and careers in building pipelines? I would say not. Data engineers, they're happy to do that, um, and that's their sweet spot. But we need these T-shaped people in order to form a, a highly skilled team to deliver um, best on, on the projects that we work on with our customers. I mean, these are there's two, two key components to um, these individuals working together side by side. And I'd say that the one is for them to understand each other's um, skill set. So they find that common point of interaction, common language that they can talk to each other. And the other way we actually try to uh, ensure success here is to enable their collaboration through iterative working. So rather than have a data scientist go down a path of, of, of total analysis without actually uh, lifting their head up, we, we have them work close with data engineers so they, they can actually... F- on a daily basis, um, bounce their their sort of ideas, findings, actual progress uh, off each other so they work together as a unit. There's a necessary iteration there, isn't there? Because as a data scientist finds new things, there might be a new new piece of data that's important and they don't have the skills necessarily to source it. So you have to have that communication. You've got a data scientist saying, 
I don't know where this information is. And the data engineer presenting it and going, well, here it is, and here's its limitations. So you have to have that back and forth. So it really is a symbiotic relationship. I mean, you, you cannot really have one without the other. You can, but the question is what's best here. I and more say. than that, if you do have one without, without the other, you end up limiting what both can do. I mean, obviously, we have a team of data scientists and data engineers, so they learn off each other. So we, we would have data scientists or data engineers where the, the degree of overlap with, with the other sort of skill set there is varied. So I wouldn't say you can't have one without the other. Myself, from a delivery perspective, if we had to put together a team, I would definitely have one of each in the team. If we were going to generalise, we, we would probably say that data engineers are closer to software developers than data scientists. Well, data scientists, they, they sort of may pay lip service and need to use some bits of software engineering, but they aren't software engineers. A data engineer is a software engineer. So what kind of projects might a data engineering team get involved with? The quick and slightly sarcastic answer is all of them. The more useful answer is probably phrased in terms of what a data engineer does. There's a popular diagram. It's, it's a, a pyramid diagram, which is, again, a very popular format today, which talks about the data science hierarchy of needs. It's not perfect. It's a little bit simplistic, and it ignores some, some key factors that you need in a project, but it does serve a purpose. What it conveys is that to make use of data in a sophisticated manner, you have to have a solid foundation built on less glamorous data-related work. And that's the work of a data engineer. So anything that requires collation, transformation, storage, which are the bottom three levels of this pyramid, are central to the work of that data engineer. Managing that data and making sure it gets to where it needs to in the form that it needs to is, is basically their function, if we were to boil it right down, and the kind of projects that they would have to be involved in. I think the one thing to be wary of with, with that hierarchy of needs is sometimes when you see a pyramid, you can maybe think that the work in the lower levels, actually uh, the volume of work maybe exceeds the, that bit on the top, but I don't think that's what that model is trying to convey. I think it's basically the uh, what it's trying to convey is exactly what Dean said about the, the foundation um, and in order to do the, let's call it the sexy piece, the visualization on top, the actual, uh, the insights delivering to, to um, the C-suite within organizations, then you need the, the foundation in getting your data in the right state in order to be consumed by this more uh, attractive work. I don't like using the term sexy, but there you go. Yeah. Everybody does. So I suppose the pyramid, in a way, is a good analogy because obviously the the, the, the the pointy bit of the pyramid could not be there without, unless you've built this solid foundation. So I suppose, I guess, in my simplistic view of it, that's, I think, what you're trying to say here. But perhaps you could, you could help us by giving some examples of how this works in practice. So sure. I mean, at the moment, we have a project where we're working with a, a large UK nationwide retailer where they have a data science function but it's actually really struggled to deliver anything because they they haven't had the data in in the way that they need it to they've recently put a big investment in to uh, move to a platform on a cloud-based platform which uh, pulls all their data together and we're now on the second phase of that we've we've got this we're helping them build their strategy about how they now leverage that data and how they deliver that data from the data engineering piece into their data science teams so we can take people from having nothing all the way through to where do you want to get to 
and here's the pathway for how you get there. And Chris, from your point of view, give me some examples of how that works in practice. Often when we start with the customer, customer maybe presents us with a data set and that data set is from a point in time, let's say, and we could do work on that to model it, to um, provide insight back to the organisation. And and if they they see that as something that would add real value to their organisation, if it was there, available all the time, any time, then there's a whole load of work that needs to go on in order to um, ensure that the data that that ends up in this data set, when it comes into the organisation, it comes somewhere. Normally, an organisation these days would bring that data into one sort of common repository within the organisation. There's a whole load of work that has to go from taking that data, processing it through pipelines in order to make that data set that we started with available and evolving and updating with the velocity at which the data maybe enters the organisation. Some some organisations, they, they're collecting data daily, sometimes minute by minute. But that pipeline has to be in place if they want to take the exciting modelling work that the data scientists have shown them to actually be able to process that ongoing, you know, and be available in real time, I guess. So there's a, there's a corollary to that, which is if you're, if, you're going, if you're going to take a website and you're going to use a sophisticated sales website and build a sophisticated tool for your customer, which is backed by some kind of analytic function, you're going to need to have that work very, very quickly. You're going to need to be able to feed the data into that so that it's relevant for that customer as well. And we've played a role in that as, as well. We, we've designed and built back ends for websites that not only supply the analytic function that the customer then goes and makes a decision for them, like a recommender algorithm, a recommendation on Amazon or something like that. But to, to provide that, you have to be feeding that in with data constantly at a really fast rate. So we can we get to the point where you your data engineer is building a system that backs something like Amazon. We've worked with them. Um, a large re- and again it was in retail a large retail sector in building a website to enable them to essentially mirror what Amazon does and increasingly you see this sort of thing uh, on government websites as well and I, and I think you know that's almost bound to become more important as time goes on isn't it you know because the government don't like paper anymore do they they want us to interact online with them and not actually write them letters or phone them up so yeah and you, do you have experience of that side of things so we've got quite a few um contacts in the government with there's a a move in government towards open data and if you're going to have open data you need decent engineering we're engaged with an arm of defra currently to help them build a strategy for how they achieve that because they don't with government obviously there's a lot of legacy areas and to bring that up to speed where it um where it can provide what, what they need is a big step forward we've also got a bigger piece of work which chris is involved in was involved in was involved yeah, in. for a long period of time large government organization that produces uh, statistical publications let's say for public consumption government consumes these these publications general public media but essentially they they have data that comes into their organization from from various other government departments also private data providers and they have to with varied sort of periods of delivery i guess whether it be monthly quarterly etc they have to generate articles so we've got a team working at the moment who are taking that data built statistical processing pipelines 
in order to generate these data sets that then these business areas, as we refer to them within this organization, basically uh, summarize the insights that come out of the data and um, produce publications that are made available on, on that this organization's website, like I said, on a monthly basis uh, or quarterly basis. Presumably, I mean, I know that Mango work across many sectors, but do, do you think there's a... Um are there some sectors of industry or government for that matter that need this more than others or is this some, is this something that everybody can benefit from I, I think the, with the way the modern world is moving with the requirements around around people's data around um, openness around the products the way that people expect companies to behave you can't avoid it you need to have a function finance is the latest example where this kind of work has got much more important with open banking finance initiative i think it is where they have to provide an api to allow any startup to access the bank's data your customer's data with the appropriate safeguards in place that's a large data engineering project so as more as it's expected more and more that your data moves with you data engineering is going to be more and more important and hopefully less hidden. I think it's a massively growing profession, really. Um, but, but as we've sort of suggested earlier here, that, that in some respects, some of it is not is not the reinvention of, or sorry, is not the invention of a, of a new skill set, is actually adopting skills that have been in the sort of IT industry for a number of, number of decades, to be honest. But as the technology has evolved, the skill set has um, just sort of um, evolved in line with that, I would say. And now we have the, this title, which is data engineer. And for many years, people have uh, struggled to describe exactly what a data engineer does. But I think as the growth in data continues, it maybe makes it easier for us to start actually defining what a data engineer does. So how then do you get from a situation where you don't have a data-driven culture, if you're an organisation, to one where you do have this data-driven nirvana, as the title of this podcast suggests, of data scientists and data engineers working together? So it's, it's a really good question because often if you, if you don't have a background in this area, it can be hard to get senior leaders to understand why it is. So it's important you show value early. You, you make the easy steps first. And usually that's with uh, using business information, management information, BI and MI, as we call it which um, you could could call high-speed counting. And you put information in the hands of of senior leaders really quickly so they know exactly how many pallets of stuff or they're shifting or very, very quickly and enable them to make those decisions. Once you've got that buy-in by showing that value, you can then start on the smaller data science projects, which are inherently slightly harder to understand initially if you don't really know what data science means. So build that trust with the easy, simple bits, largely driven by data engineering on BI and MI. Then take the first steps into data into the data science projects and sh- again, show that value all the time. Always link it back to what the business wants. Once you've got the buy-in at that level, it's really important that you also partner with IT and create all of those deployment processes and all of the, the, the supporting infrastructure that you need to make data science projects a success. And at every step of the way, we can come in and help you show, show you how we can make that happen. I, mean, I was just, you know, I suppose you, you, you used the word culture there. And um, the one thing that I often talk about with data engineers and data scientists, essentially, is... Um, 
There's a key term here, which is engineers. And when data scientists and data engineers work together, data scientists tend to come from, uh, let's say, more a kind of researchy type background and mindset. Whereas data engineers, they are far more engineering, a bit more structured, let's say. Um, Pragmatic, perhaps? Maybe, maybe. And I think when the two combine, they're really powerful. Um, but the, 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 the engineers, the data engineers, they bring a way of working. So this is why I've, you know, my ears pricked up when you use the term culture there. Because the way we actually deliver on projects is... Um, it needs to have some form of structure whilst also having consideration for the exploratory nature that there can be in data science projects. But these data engineers bring a sort of a discipline to our developments, which actually do help us reach our goals a lot easier, in my opinion. So finally, could I ask, if you're an organisation that wants to set out on this journey towards data-driven nirvana, or you're an organisation that has already set out, but perhaps has got a bit stuck or reached a ceiling, are there sort of some hints and tips you could offer those companies that can kind of take them to that next level? So it's, it's very, very difficult without knowing an organisation to, to prescribe here are the next steps that will take you to your next level. It's because it depends very much on where you are, very much what your culture is, as Chris said earlier, and how people view data within your organisation. But I think it is important you have an open mind about what is possible with data, what you can do with data, and what data can do for you. And that's going to become more and more important as the requirements for the way that we use data improve and change all the time and chris have you got any uh, any adv- closing advice for our listeners no i mean i'll just back up what dean's saying there really i mean it's it's not rocket science to be honest um the same key things uh would be necessary to do here which is understanding your as is as we call it i.e where you are today and then trying to understand where you want to be and then uh, through that process we often work with clients and try to help them in uh taking them to their goals, let's say. Or their data-driven nirvana, even. Yes. Well, that's a good note to end on. Thank you. You've been listening to the Data Driven Nirvana podcast from Mango Solutions. My name's Dave Harris, and I've been talking to Dean Wood, Principal Data Scientist from Mango Solutions, along with Deputy Director of Client Services, Chris James. Mango Solutions have a wide range of expertise in both carrying out data engineering and enabling your organisation to follow best practice. If you need support in this area, give us a call and we'll be able to guide you on your data-driven journey. You can also go to our website, mango-solutions.com. If you've enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and tell all your fellow data scientists and data engineers, and please keep listening. We'll be back soon with another episode.